Pasha Buchu Kosei, Pasha Shabbos Chazak, Fourth Perik Pirkei Oves, Unbirthday, so the Hebrew birthday is the real birthday, so today's unbirthday. We have to see what lessons we can learn from each one of them. How do we tie in a birthday? What's the significance of a birthday? And of course the date that we're dealing with today, which is Yudalid Ir, Pesach Sheni. The lesson of Pesach Sheni it's never too late nothing is ever lost what was the story of Pesach Sheni? The iniquity that was for Nat of the Jews. The Jews left Mitzrayim. They left Egypt in the year 2448. On their first year out of Mitzrayim, the first year of Nisan, the following year 2449, God gives the commandment to prepare themselves for Pesach, for the carbon of Pesach, the holiday, commemorating Yetzirah Mitzrayim of the year before. The Torah tells us a very, very interesting story, intriguing issue that took place. There were several Jews that were Tomeh the Nefesh Adam. They had become Tomei because they were in contact with dead bodies. And there are several different opinions to who we're talking to, talking about whether it be the ones that were carrying the bones of Yosef. Have to keep mind in the head. Okay, were the ones keeping taking care of Yosef, or the ones that took care of Tzalafchad, or whatever it was. Whoever they were, but they were Tamil and Afishadam. They had dealt with a mitzvah of a dead person. And therefore, on the day of Pesach, they were not allowed to bring the carbon. Interestingly, they came to Meshir Abinu and they cried out, Lama Nigara. Why are we any worse? Why are we being deprived? Today in Shul, Davin Shachris, there's a big simcha. No Tachnun. Pesach Sheini, we don't say Tachnun. Someone once said if the Goyim knew how much pleasure 
the Jews have, when they don't have to say Tachnun, they would convert. Just from that, for that pleasure alone. The great simcha that the Jews have, because they don't have to say Tachnun that day, it's, it's like, it's, it's a holiday of its own. There are some circles that don't say Tachnun practically ever, because they always have an excuse to have a big book of yard sites. They say, oh, today's this one's yard site. So it's a special day, and this one's yard that one's yard site. And they just, just don't manage to say Tachnun ever. And those that don't say on Fridays, don't say on Sundays, they each one has their own customs. In Chabad, unless it's Shulchan Aruch, we say Tachnun. Today in the morning, we didn't say Tachnun. Simcha Gedayla. Ooh, Iran. Birthday cake. Oh, happy birthday. Iran. Oh, wow. He took off his hat. <laughs> he, was, he, was supposed to, he was meant to wear the whole, the whole shirt. Oh, Steve is having a fit. He doesn't get birthday cake when he's on Skype. Uh-huh. Sorry, buddy. That's the perks. And if Manora oh, signs back on over here. Well, it was a surprise to me too. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you don't get homemade cake like this every day. It looks great. So, the simcha this morning that, they eaten, that everybody had in shul when they said, oh, they gave a patch and they said, no tachnan, it was ama- amazing. And we look at it, I'll tell you even worse, that yesterday by mincha, we had to say tachnan. Because of the only from the special days that we don't say Tachnan, Pesach Sheni is from the few that the day Mincha prior we do say Tachnan. So the pain that people were going through, that they had to say Tachnan yesterday by Mincha, and the Simcha they had today when they didn't have to say Tachnan, it's amazing. Why are we saying that? We're not Chasashalom trying to give the shortcomings of, of Yidni. Amech Kulam Sadikim. It's very nice, actually. Very I, love it's very I love Svira. I love Svira. It shows, though, that bottom line, a Yid likes to try to get out of a, you know, don't, 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 uh, today we have to eat matzah. You have to eat matzah today. I mean, no, I have to eat matzah today. It's not on the diet and everything else, but I have to eat matzah, I have to eat matzah. You washed, you eat matzah, you benched. It's Pesach Shein. Here the Tehrek comes and tells us a story, although the story happens in Baha'u'llah, and we probably have to repeat it again, that parsha. The Jews that come to Mesh and scream, Loma Nigara, why are we being deprived? Why are we any worse? Why cannot we not do this mitzvah? They had a way out. They had they were not deprived per se. They were legally exempt from having to do this. So if they were legally exempt, as they say, take it and run. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. So not only they don't, they complain. They come to Meshach with a complaint, Lama Nigara. Oh, terrible. 
these people don't don't appreciate you got away with something. <laughs> so Moshe says to them, you know what? I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to do. <clears throat> you ever call anywhere in Israel? They say, Nalamtin, Shukra. Hold on, please hold. Moshe says, stand back. I'll hear what God has to say about this. Now, the truth being told, Moshe was already told everything on Sinai, which we're going to discuss soon. What does it mean here he had to go and ask God for this? Well, this and the story of Tzalafchad were parshas that got special attention in the Torah, were added specially in the Torah, and it was also a little bit of a punishment to Moshe Rabbeinu, who said, Kol Anything that you have a problem with, any hardships that you have, come to me, I'll, I'll explain everything. And God said to you, and who do you think you are exactly, mister? And therefore God had to show Moshe that he's not the do-all and ends-all. And therefore these are these two places that Moshe forgot the dinim and had to get a, re, a recap from God. And God tells him, he says, uh, hello, just reminding you, you said, Takriva light to come to me, look where you are. You have to repeat this, you don't know it. We have online requests here, hold on folks. I can't leave that with glasses. Okay. So in essence, from Pesach Sheni, we learn it's never too late. The concept of teshuva, of repentance, is learned from Pesach Sheni. Where sometimes we look back and we reflect and we say, oops, I missed an opportunity. In America, they say opportunity only knocks once. Today's days, probably they would change that and say opportunity only texts once. Who knocks today? You text. I'm outside. You never got your text? You never sit in your house and get a text? I'm outside. Ring the bell, man. I'm outside. It's amazing. <laughs> Curb service. Opportunity, we think, and we'd say, ah, I've missed the boat. Time has passed me by. Life has passed me by. Pesach Sheni teaches us there's no such thing. Pesach Sheni teaches us that repenting and tshuva is always there for us. We can always turn over a new leaf. Now, this is a pretty shocking story to most of us. The thought of it, I could change mid-life. Try changing a ball mid-flight. The changes doesn't change directions. But yet my life, which is going in this direction for years on end, I could change mid-life. But we look and we see. We see that so, so many Bali Chuvah, people that 
were totally, totally against. Never mind, didn't accept. They were adamantly against anything that stood to Torah and Mitzvahs. And then they turn into conflict and they don't understand how they could be against, but they also don't understand how they could actually accept. And ultimately they come around. But on the flip side, the Yetzirah is just as strong. And the Yetzirah does the same thing to the from person and teaches and exposes him to the other side, shall we say, and brings them sometimes down as well. And takes them down a path that they don't belong on. So we see that life's styles do change. We just don't understand them. We don't understand how, what, when, and why. Pesach Sheni teaches us we can always improve. We can always take our task at hand and make better of what we are and what we stand for. If you will go in my ways. It's a pretty awkward way for God to say, keep the Torah. If you decide, listen, you know, if you happen to have time and want to do it, learn some Torah and do a mitzvah too, keep me in mind, God said. What does that mean? In Bukh, of course I have to go. It should be Sheh Telechu Bechukaisei. Where's the im? What is the im going on here? Im actually is a lashon bakasha. It's a request. There's a city in, in, in I don't know what border it belonged in. The city was called Dokshitz. There's a lot of chassidim that came from Dokshitz. Yechanan Gordon came from Dokshitz, and uh, there were many many chassidim there. And there was one chassid that used to have a very interesting thing. Every Matzah Shabbos, there was a shir in Chassidus. But, you might notice, in order to attract a crowd, you got to put something down. Way, way back when we started the shir, Essex Anconi was uh, functioning on Empire Anconi on Avenue. And in honor of his parents, the Nishmas' parents, he used to sponsor the shir. And there's some weeks that he always sent food. There's some weeks that were a little mingier than others, but usually there was a nice smorg. This year, they had a big bucket, a bochka of panis. What's panis? Panis, they take boiled water. They had to make tea with the water, but instead of taking tea with the water, they poured in vodka into the water. Vodka with boiled water. You had the warmth of the hot water, and you also had the warmth of the vodka. So people would come to the shir, and obviously they would give a dip, and they would sit down and listen to the shir. And the chassid used to report, used to go once a year to the marash. And when he came to the marash, he used to go in for tisha, he used to go in and he used to hear a different maimadim, the Rebbe would say. And once he returned after Tishrei, the winter set in, and again the Shirim used to start, and he was rejuvenated with Numai Maram and everything. The 
One time he came to visit the Reb Marash, and when he came to the Reb Marash, there was two tzach in Darkshid. So the Marash, he told the Marash how there's a shir and Matzah Shabbos and Chassidus. Shir, every Matzah, yeah, what's the crowd? It's a nice crowd, nice turnout. We uh, have a shir with Panis. So the Rebbe said to him, What's that Panis at Tamit Chassidus? Where does Panis come off to Chassidus? Chassid didn't ask any questions and he turned back home and uh, that was the end of the Panis, obviously. Unfortunately, it's also the end of the Shia. So the 30, 40 people who used to come started to dwindle and dwindle and he was down to a handful. Well, yeah, he came back to the Rebbe and the Rebbe said, no, how's the Shia Mount of Shabbos? And he says, Rebbe, it's not what it used to be. It's study, you think. We stopped with the panis, and the people said, you know, Chassidus is nice, but panis were better. No panis, no shir. So they said, put back the panis. Abim is alone Chassidus. Bring it back. It's a request. Any which way or form. But the Torah tells us, and this is a very interesting parsha, because it's the other the other parsha from Kisavei, where it has the Teichecha in it, which we'll discuss. One of the things the Torah tells us is you should not switch over. Everyone's got to know their spot, their place. <laughs> Famous story of the uh, the rabbi, the big holy rabbi. And um, he had a an urge. He wanted to ride the horse. He wanted to be the balagola once. The taiva. He wanted to be a balagola. So he told his wagon driver, "Come bite me, son. You sit in the carriage. I'm going to ride." And they arrived in the town, and everybody recognized the rebbe's. Wagon, the holy rabbi's wagon. And people ran over and they ran to the, to the passenger, obviously, who they thought was the rabbi. And they were asking him very, very deep questions. Needless to say, the guy was clueless. He had no idea what to answer. So, the guy turns and he says to the people, you're asking such simple questions even my Balagola knows the answer. <laughs> Go talk to the Balagola. <laughs> and he got himself out quick enough. Um, and there was a story, therefore, lay Mirena, the Tedes, don't switch around the wrong places. And they told like a story of a, of a, a rich person came with a ta- to a town for Shabbos. And he got to the town for Shabbos and then. Um, the Balagola dropped him in the hotel and the Balagola went off to the Balagola station where all the Balagolas, all the wagon drivers spent their Shabbos. On the way to Shul, the Gvir was dressed already a few hours before Shabbos and he's walking primly, properly dressed and uh, he sees Nebuchadnezzar wagon is stuck in the mud on the side. So he's telling and they're trying to coach the guy to get him out and 
he pushes and he pulls and lo and behold he falls into the mud and he gets, and he's all dressed in his Shabbos best Never he, he, he doesn't know how to do these things he wanted to help out Rebbe Chaju but he is not capable and it's a good clap, good mazik and he bloodied himself up and he muddied himself up and he was the Vaila he didn't even succeed in helping and he picked himself up and he went to Shul in the meantime, the Balagala had gotten ready for Shabbos, and he went to Shul. And the Balagala was sitting with the other Balagalas, and he told them, who wants to come join me for a meal tonight? Now the Gvir had his whole meal prepared, and he was ready to invite all the poor people. But by the time he got to Shul, the Balagala already invited everybody. <laughs> Needless to say, the Balagala's meal was far from what to be desired. It barely fed himself, never mind everybody else. Nobody went away sated from the, from the meal. But we see, a person has to know his place. The Balagala has to sit with the Balagalas, and he has to be invited with the Gvirim. By the Gvirim, and the Gvirim have to know when to not pull out carriages from the wagons. There are many different things we have to discuss in Pashas Bukhakesa, especially Chazak. But one of the most, something that we repeat every year in Bukhakesa, only because only Bukhakesa has such a Pasuk. One of the last Psukim in Pashas Bukhakesa says, Bukhakesa, Bakr, Ritzain, and a tenth of the Bakr and Sain, Kerla, Shiyavar, Tachas, Ashevet. Anything that goes under the, st- the staff, Hasidi Yakedish Hashem. How did they do this? They took their their sheep or their cattle, and they had a stick with a marker with ink on it or paint. And as they went through the animals, they counted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Number ten got marked. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten got marked. Yavar Tachas Hashavit went past the stick and it got marked. And this was a Hasidi Yakedish Hashem. Was Kedish Hashem. The Pasuk is telling us something much, much more much more powerful than that. And it's found always during, of course, the weeks of Svirata Omer, which we know that the reason for the morning of Svirata Omer is because the 24,000 students of the Akiva. And the Pasuk is telling us as follows. The Chol Ma'asar is an acronym, is Rosh Vyedu Kulam Lama Mes Akiva Shahoya Roya. The words Vichol Vav Chaf Lamid Masar Men Ayin Sin Reish. Vyedu Kulam Lama Met Akiva Shahaya Roe. The next two words of the Pasuk is Bakar Vitzon. He was a Roe from Bakar Vitzon. Why did he die though? Kol Asher Ya'avor. All the other ones that went. Ya'avor refers to, of course, that passed away, that died. Kol Asher Ya'avor, all those that died. Tachat Hashevet. Tachat meaning instead of the Shevet. We know that the Asara Ruge Malchut, the ten people that were killed 
because the king called him in and said to them, the ten sages, and he asked them, what is the din in your Torah if someone sells their brother? And they said the person has to be put to death. Someone kidnaps a person and sells him, they have to be put to death. So he said, what happened to the brothers of Yosef? Who put them to death? He said, nobody. So he told them there was never ten people since then that compared to those people until you ten people. And therefore, I decree that you ten people pay the price for Yosef. Excuse me, for the selling of Yosef. Thank you. Thank you. Now, to note, says the Medrash, that each one of these ten people was from a different Shevet. None of them were from the same Shevet, and therefore, each one represented one of the Shvatim. But, Susan, they want to kill a sneeze, the guy's going, you got Susan? Boom. Dead sneeze. In the snare. Now it's stuck in the system. So each one represented a different shape. The question becomes, there were ten people killed. Fresca? Sprite? Water. Brandy? Water. Bring the salsa from the side of it. No, the cabinet. The question remains, there were ten brothers. There weren't ten brothers. There were only twelve brothers in total. Yosef was sold. Can't, can't, you can't blame him. Binyamin was a baby, he was at home. Can't blame him. When Yehuda came, Reuven had to go back to take care of his father. So he wasn't there either. So if Yosef, Binyamin, and Reuven can't be culpable, and there's 12 brothers, minus 3 is only 9. So who is the 10th person represented over here by the by the Mechilat Zetzev? The brothers turned to God and said, You're going to be the 10th one. So they would start of God, to be the 10th one for the selling of Yosef. Came Rabbi Akiva. What Shevet did he come from? Rabbi Akiva was Ben Gadim. He came from converts. He wasn't from any of the Shvatim. So therefore, who did he die in whose stead? In the Kvayachal. Instead of the tenth one that was added in, which was God. So therefore we say again, Kol all those who died, Tachat HaShevet, in the place of one of the Shvatim, but HaSiri, the tenth one who was Rabbi Akiva, Yekodesh Lashem. He was totally Kodesh. He, was, he died in God's stead. He was sacrificed in the name of God. And interestingly, that we're going to take a Mishnah in Mesech Seita today, which is going to continue in this very same realm. But first we look at it as Hashem Alekecha Tira. Pasik says S Hashem Alekhatira. To just say Hashem Alekhatira, why does it say S what is the S? And Rabbi Kiva 
was very into dashing. Anytime it said the word S, he always derived something from that. What does he derive from S? It comes to Ed Tamid Chachamim. That a person has to fear Talmud Chacham as well. Because he compared Talmud Chachamim to God, therefore he was chosen to die in God's stead. The Mishnah in Mesech Tzaita that we were looking at is the first Mishnah in Perik Chamishi, Shem Shamayim Beit Kimeisa. And we see in, the, in this Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva is dashing a few different things. That very day, Darish Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva was Darish, and it goes through one thing and another and another. Finally, the last thing is, then the Jews sang, the Moshe sang the Shira to God, a saying. He says, What is the saying? For what does it have to say? It's Lamer. Shame Talmud Lamer Lamer. Shouldn't have to say Talmud Lamer Ma Talmud Lamer Lamer. Why does it say it? Lam Shay Yisrael, Einim Shira Achrav Shal Mesha. I call Dava Vidava, Kikainin, as a halal, like someone who reads a halal. Because he said that when Mesha said a Pasuk, a Shira Lashem Kigaiga, the Jews answered, Ashir al-Hashem ki And therefore, each time they said something, he answered. Is Pashtusa the Meshe b'chaldara v'dara? And since we are in the talking about Rabbi Akiva and His his prowess. We see also in the Gemara and Brachas that tells us, Ashrecha Akiva, a baskel came out as they raked the skin of Rabbi Akiva, and as they came to his head, his tear of the tefillin sharish, he cried out, Shema Yisrael Hashem Elekeinu Hashem Echad, and as he said the word Echad, his neshama left him, and Ashrecha Akiva shenishmoscha yotze beEchad. That your neshama went out with echad, echad refer, referring to the yechudei shalaylam, and hopefully we'll get to today to discuss still how the echad and the yechudei shalaylam and the aleph and the alufei shalaylam come together in one realm. <laughs> it's a beautiful story that's worth repeating. Pasik tells us that God says if you're going to keep the mitzvahs the way you're supposed to, in Asati Gishmechem Be'itam. They tell a story of Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great came to Africa to see how they deal with, how the people deal, how the rulership deals with their people, with their subjects. They heard Alexander the Great was coming, they greeted him with big platters of fruits and of breads, all made out of gold. <laughs> the gold, they're presenting him, the real thing is they're presenting him with these beautiful riches. But Alexander says, uh, you people eat gold? <laughs> what are you giving me fruits of gold? Bread of gold? Anyway, he said, I'd like to see your judicial system. 
So they said, good, this punt happens to be a court case going. And they brought him into the court, and the king was residing. It was a major dilemma. The father Yidin Gizak. I sat in the interior today, I tell you. Not Yidin Gizak. Anyway, I was there for four or five hours, and my head is plotting for me. The major interior. Reuven and Shimon are standing there. Let's just give them those names. And Reuven says, I sold Shimon a tree. Shimon says, I bought from Reuven a tree. No. Shimon says, I planned to take the tree from the field. And to plant it, to uproot it from his field and bring it to mine. So, okay. When I uprooted the tree, I found underneath the tree a treasure chest full of gold. So Alexander's waiting for this to break out into some nasty fight. And Reuven starts to scream. I sold him the tree. I sold him everything that comes with the tree. The treasure chest is underneath it. It's his. Shimon said, I'm sorry, I only bought the tree. And I'm uprooting it from your land. I don't want your land. I don't want anything that's underneath the tree. It's not mine, it's yours. Alexander the Great is listening to this and he starts and all he could sing was do 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 These guys are off their minds. They're cracked. And he's waiting to hear what is the king going to say. He's looking for the sword to come flying out. And the king looks at them and he says, Tell me, Ruvain, don't you have a son to get married? He says, Yes. Shimon, don't you have a daughter that has to get married? He says, yes. He says, Mazel Tov. Reuven's son and Shuvin's daughter should get married and we'll give the treasure chest to them. It'll stay with both of you. They kiss the king's hand. Alexander the Great jumps out of the chair and starts to scream and berate the king. Are you mischief? In my country, I take my sword and I chop both the heads off and I take the thing. I take the chest chest what are you nuts? What are you people, are these people demented or something? They're fighting over to give away a treasure just full of gold? So he said to him, you have animals in your country? Alexander the Great says, of course I have animals. Do they graze in the fields? He says, of course they do. He says, you're lucky. He says, why am I lucky? Because you have animals that graze in the field, God has pity on them. And he makes sure that it rains so the grass grows for them. Mimela, because it's raining, you also have wheat. But if you didn't have the animals and you'd only rely on your merit, you would have no rain. It would never happen. And you would never have anything. My, by the way, since we're already talking... <laughs> stupid story. Um, <laughs> since we're talking about rain and Be'itam, it's been raining in Etzishal lately which is weird as it comes. It doesn't rain after Pesach. And it's raining and raining day in, day out in Yerushalayim. It's got people are going to sugar from it. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know what it means, what it's supposed to mean. All it is is another sign pointing to Mashiach. And guess what? How many signs do they need? Im is a sign. What's the sign? With Im... 
we will be able to be what's the in? Esther and Mordechai Esther and Mordechai saved the Jews so they could sit in the Torah Aaron and Moshe they brought about the learning of Torah the study of Torah but ultimately Eliyahu and Mashiach Im is Eliyahu and Mashiach and that is the ultimate goal in which we thrive now, I don't know if we get through the Manspach as well, which also gives us that same message, but let us move on a little bit. Let's go into the Nost Chilosan, the Seif and the Seif and the Chilosan. How does the beginning of Ayikra and the end of Ayikra fall into place with one another? Firstly, let's look at the last passage. The last passage finishes off. Eda mitzvah, Sashitiva, Hashem, it's Mesha, Abne Yisrael. These are the mitzvahs that God commanded Mesha, the Jews. Bahasinai. In the Harasinai. So th- that's a simple thing. What's a simple thing? Bahar Sinai, we know. Why did he give the Torah on Sinai? Because the humbleness of the Mount Sinai. It was humble. All the other mountains were boasting, and Har Sinai said, I'm too small. And God appreciated his humbleness. He gave the same. How does Vayikra start? Vayikra Moshe, the first word Vayikra, has Aleph Zira, a small Aleph. Why the small Aleph? Because Moshe was humbled. And Moshe said, I don't deserve to be called Vayikra. I deserve to just be written Vayikar. Vayikar like by Bilam. And therefore he said, to leave only the Aleph off. Vayikra said, no way. He said, no way. So therefore, the Aleph was made small. Moshe made it small. So it should look like he's not there, but yet it's there. Um... That's one of the many, many ways. So, take a little detour from the partial minute because we already put this together. And in the continuation of that, we also go to Meshe Kibotera Misinai. And the Rebbe asks, Meshe Kibotayna Misinai, to say Meshe Kibotayna Al-Sinai. What's Misinai? Because Meshe received the Tera. Tera is Lashon Heira, a lesson. He got a lesson, Misinai. He learned from Sinai how to be humble. And therefore, Meshe Kibel Torah, he kept the Heira'ah from Sinai to be humble. And that goes into exactly what we're saying over here how the end, the Har Sinai, is the connection to the beginning of Chumash Vayikra, which starts with the Allah's era of Moshe's humbleness. Mishnah Tess, Perik Dalit, this week is the fourth Perik of Perik Yavis, and the ninth Mishnah says, Rebbe Yenison Eimer, 
Whoever fulfills the Torah in poverty will ultimately fulfill it in wealth. And whoever neglects it, the Torah in wealth will ultimately neglect it in poverty. Poverty here can also refer to the poverty of the person's knowledge of Torah. A person that doesn't have a full knowledge of Torah, the Gemara tells us that in Gan Eden there's a, a, a announcement, a loudspeaker that goes on and on by the gates of Gan Eden that calls out, How great it is for the one that arrives here with his Talmud, his learning of Torah in his hand. And this is what we anticipate when we come to Maila to have Torah with us, the Torah that we learned. And this is what we take, and this is what gets us into the right places. <laughs> Although we know the famous story of the great sage, the rabbi that learned all his life, and never, the Pasuk Pumi Megirsa didn't stop learning. And when he dies, he came up to heaven, and he was given a royal seat, beautiful seat, cushioned, and the table was exquisite, oak, mahogany, whatever, and he had all the svarim was sitting there, beautifully bound, nothing torn out, no torn out pages. And he's studying and he's basking in the Kedusha, of the Torah of the God, and the great illumination of God. And finally he looks up one day, and he sees on the western wall, on the Mizrach wall, on the eastern wall, the more prestigious people sit on the eastern wall, he wants to see which Rashishivas and which great rabbis are there. And lo and behold, he sees the Eged bus driver. The Eged bus driver is sitting on the Mizrach. He goes, he bangs on the table. He says, where is the embassy? Where is it? I sat and gave my whole life to Taylor and taught Taylor and everything. And I got a beautiful portion and everything. But, but, but the Eged bus driver is in the illustrious Eastern Wall. God says to him, Ravid, you're right. You sat and studied Taylor. And you were marvelous Taylor. You taught Taylor. But when you gave a lot of your shirim, the people fell asleep during the shir. When that guy drove, people prayed. <laughs> so, he awakened. He awakened more hearts for Chuba than you did. So that's why he's up on the Houston wall. Um, therefore, when the person is in poverty of studying, he doesn't have the knowledge, he doesn't have what really takes, he doesn't have the tools, he's poor in knowledge of Torah, so, and he goes, and he still in all does not say, I can't, and I don't have it. He works and works and toils. Then ultimately, in the end, he will be wealthy with the Torah, and he'll be full and fulfilled with it. But whoever neglects it wealth, the person that has the magnificent mind, and the person that has the good mind, or the person that has no worries in, in material worries and doesn't worry about his house in foreclosure all day and doesn't worry about all the other problems and trials and tribulations that he goes through never financially. But rather, he says, <clears throat> I have all the time in the world to just sit and study Torah and he doesn't neglect it. This person goes on to get what he needs in Torah. One of the mitzvahs in our parsha talks about the mitzvah of Erchen. Leibish's homework today, or yesterday's, today's, yesterday's homework actually did today. What is Erki Alai? A person decides in Besamil, he comes, he's standing there, at the time of the Besamil, he says, Erki Alai. 
my value is upon me. Which simply means to say, I will give tzedakah to the amount of my worth. Generally people say, what are you worth? <laughs> when, when the, when, oh, I think it was a queen, came to Moses Montefiore, and she asked him, what are you worth? He said, give me a, thank you, gave, he said, give me a few days, and I'll calculate how much I'm worth. She came, came back a few days later, and he tells us, Your Majesty, I'm worth so and so much. She looks at him and says, Moses, who are you fooling? You think I asked you because I'm the IRS? We all know that you have property alone that's worth ten times that amount. <coughs> Boats that you own. And this and that and banks. And how could you devalue yourself and say this is all you're worth? What are you talking about? And Moses Matafira answered, Your Majesty, you have to understand, my calculation is the amount of money I gave for tzedakah. Because the amount of money I gave for tzedakah will always be with me. That mitzvah will always stay with me, and I take it with me to my death, I take it with me to Adam Abba. The material, what I have here in this world today, could be here tomorrow, is gone. It could be confiscated, it could be stolen, it could be burnt, it could be destroyed. Mashenkein, the tzedakah that I gave, that is, that is me. That's what I'm worth. There was a chosid, his name was Hill Paracha, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the story of Hill Paracha. Hill Paracha was a chosid by three Rebbes. Dalte Rebbe, and we had today people also that saw three Rebbes. It wasn't the big ones. They saw the Rashad, the Middle, the Friedrich the Rebbe, and the Rebbe. Rabbi Simpson, and uh, there's a lot of Shmuel uh, Witten, and uh, anyway. Yilkan? I don't know. Yilkan is now about 81. He didn't see that. He's 81 today. Shvat, he turned 81. Anyway, it was 120. Yeah. So Hill Paracha wanted to meet the Altarebbe. And there's a little problem that he was involved with. Anytime he showed up in a town where the Altarebbe was, the Altarebbe just left. Almost like he was avoiding him. But he wasn't he wasn't a chassid yet. He was just somebody that heard of this Rebbe and wanted to meet him. He had his questions. He was going to ask him to test him to see if he, if he's really a Rebbe. Finally, he anticipated where the Alt Rebbe is going to be. He got a step ahead of him, and he ran to the town where he's going to come. And he went to the lodgings where the Alt Rebbe is going to stay. And he parked himself under the bed where the Altarebbe was going to sleep. 
And they figured the Altareb will come to the room and I'll jump out and ask him his questions. Thank you for the uh, side effects. Side effects. <laughs> He's lying under the bed and the Altareb walked into the room. And he had a question of Mesechus Erechim. Mesechus Erechim that says, and a person says just, my value, the Torah tells us that you go according to the averages. You take the brackets and you say, okay, people from this age to this age are worth so and so much. People from this age, they do it all the time with life insurance today. Today you're able to get a life insurance policy if you're 50, under under 50, not, and a non-smoker, and uh, you weigh so and so much, you can get so and so much life insurance, so, et cetera, et cetera. I know, because since I turned 50, every time I looked into it, I found out. That they only want to know about you if you're under 50. Uh, no, don't even go there. Um, he couldn't understand what do I have with these other people why are you making me a calculation with all these other people I'm me he's him tell me what I'm worth so he couldn't understand the whole gra- he couldn't grasp that muscle. so al came into the room and Hillel was under the bed he was about to jump out and al said to somebody standing there if a Jew can't understand how he has to be measured with other Jews he should look into his. He should do some soul searching to figure out what's wrong with him, why he, what his value really is. Bill Voucher heard this, and he was shocked. How the Alter Rebbe anticipated his question and shot the answer out, and in such a way that it, it, it belittled him to no end. He fainted. He fainted when he woke up. The Alter Rebbe was gone. Thank you. Perfect, right? Uh, that was a very, that was better than his sound effect was. That was, you know, it was hurrah. <laughs> we find five times in the Torah, if you look in today's Pasha, very interesting, one of them is in this Pasha. Yaakov is written with a Vov. Yud Ayin Kuv Vov Vez. Huh? And five times it says El Yohu without a Vov. In, in Nach. And the reason is because Yaakov Avinu took a mashkin from Eliyahu Anavi, the letter Vov, and said, When you're going to come and redeem the Jews, then I will give it back to you. So it says, And that is what it refers to the Ovis Albonim. Why five? Not only Edis and Mishpatim, but Chukim. Teleichu, which say Tilmedu. Should learn what is it, to go in these paths. Chukesai is also a lesson of Chakika, to engrave. That the letter should be engraved within the person, and the person should go Mechayel El Choyel, from one strength to the next. This week is Lag Ba'ima, Sunday Mitzvah. 
So that's, what's that, Bishifka's name? Yeah, That's Yeshiva's newsletter. We give our newsletter every week. Lag Bema is the day celebrating Rashbi, Rabbi Shimon Bayechai. There's a Svara that says Rabbi Shimon Bayechai was directly connected with Moshe Rabbeinu. And therefore he comes together with the Ishpizim. When Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the Sukkah, on his Ishpizim, the fourth day of Sukkahs, Shimon Bayechai comes with him. And that's why always the fourth day of Sukkot and Lagbeim are always the same day of the week. Lagboimer is gematria, same gematria as Moshe. That's why we don't say Lagleimer, we say Lagboimer. Um, <laughs> Shem Baichai is mentioned many times, it's quoted many times in Shas. In Mesechtis Shabbos, with the story of Shimon Bayechai coming out of the cave, hold on to your hats. When he came out of the cave the first time and he burnt the whole world up, is on Daf Lamed Gimel. It's on the 33rd Omud of Shabbos, which is again Lagba Eimah, 33 days in Omer. That's not the end of it. It's the 33rd time Shimon Ba'yechai is mentioned in Shas. Shimon Ba'yechai is mentioned many times in Shas. He's mentioned in the story of his coming out of the cave and is on in the 33rd blot in Shabbos and it's the 33rd time he's mentioned in Shas. So he has a lot to do with like Bayman, and of course we know the famous expression, Shimon says if the Din was according to me, I would make the I would exonerate everyone from Din. And we know that this is a very interesting thing because we as human beings have a very hard time relating to this. Being able to keep the Shitasai. Person that you have those radicals that they keep according to their Shita. This is my thought, and this is my trend, this is how I always act, and so I always behave, and I always do this, consistency, most people lack consistency, that's one of our problems in the regeneration, but, and all Tanoim, they had the Shittosam, they went always the Shittosam, what their opinion was, in anything, that was always the same way, again, two people did a Malacha on Shabbos, and neither of them was able to do the malacha on their own. They carried out a piano from Shaziyach to Shalam. Neither could have carried it out by himself. But they did it together. So then what's the din? It got carried out. It got carried out by these two people. They were both culpable now. Are they both chayev or not? Machlekes. Reb Shimon says Potter. Reb Shimon, it says, is Reb Shimon Bayechai. The shita so shnayim shesu zayn yachah zayn yachah is potter. Therefore, he says, when a neshama and a guf do an avera, you come to the neshama and say you didn't avera. Is I can't. I'm chedek as they come in my mamish. I'm part of God. You come to the guf. You said you didn't avera. It's some other misodem yafah v'sof alafar. 
So he says, they both did something together. Neither of them is capable of doing it. I hold Potter. So therefore, so in this chus of Rabbi Rashbi, of the Holy Rashbi, we should be paid to call them Kulim and Adin, and we should be Mekayim. Yaakov should return his Mashkin to Eliyahu Anavi, and the Imbuchukaisai Eliyahu and Mashiach should prevail, and we should dance together on this Hilula of Rashim Bayechai into Yerushalayim Rakhaydish.